Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You are listening to episode number 67 of the Awesomers Podcast series, and that's awesomers.com slash 67 to find today's show notes and relevant details, etc. Now today I am joined by Victor Ahipene. Now Victor's a very interesting young man and somebody who I find to be fascinating because he's been speaking from the stage since he was literally 13 years old. And we talk about that kind of in depth in today's episode. This went on to lead him to do more speaking and he has won national accolades at competitions becoming one of the youngest ever to qualify as a public speaking teacher at only age 17. And this passion for public speaking got filed away for a bit while he was at university and became a physiotherapist. And it wasn't until he jumped into the entrepreneurial world that this this love for speech and speech making was reignited. And today, being able to help other people get their message out to the world and leveraging that message using public speaking is part of what he loves to spend his time doing. And since all of that kind of was put together, he's really been on a mission and he's since created three top ranking, top rated and ranked podcasts. He's been a keynote speaker around the world and he, he's helped hundreds of others share their message and make an impact uh, in their various industries and, and sessions. So it's something very inspiring and, and I know we're going to learn a lot from today. I'm thrilled that you're here and I hope that you're thrilled to be here as well. Hey everybody, it's me, Steve Simonson, and we're back again with another Awesomers.com podcast. And today, I'm joined by my very special guest, Victor Ahipene. How about that? Hey, hey how's it going? Uh, it's great to have you here. And uh, for the Awesomers out there, I did receive a little coaching on the pronunciation. My custom is to mispronounce names. And that was just my first run at it. There will be other opportunities, I'm sure, that I mess it up. But Victor... Uh, I, I love uh, what you're doing, and, and I've already read in the bio to the audience, so they kind of know where you came from, from the high level and uh, all the cool and amazing things you've accomplished. But tell us in your own words kind of where you live today and what takes up your day-to-day time. So I live in Brisbane, Australia. I'm originally from New Zealand, uh, and I I help people share their message to the world in a more confident manner to have a more of an impact to the people that they can impact. And I guess that ha- that's uh, changed shape and kind of gone full circle over the last 
uh, yeah, 20 years at the extended extended way, but uh, probably the last three or four years, it's kind of gone quite a cool full circle. So yeah, that's interesting. I can't wait to kind of get into that a little bit more. And one of the things that I found intriguing is that you started speaking at a very young age. So this idea of making an impact and positively moving, you know, an organization or its objectives started early even before you had an organization. Tell us about that when you, you know, at just a young age of like 13, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's the interesting thing. So, I mean, today, today it's through the public speaking blueprint, but back then it was, so I'm, I'm New Zealand Maori, which is like the indigenous people of New Zealand. So, I mean, a lot, a lot of, you know, people around the world might've seen the all blacks and the haka that they do the, the dance before the, the rugby uh that is that's originally from the the native people of new zealand and i went i went to a uh, relatively yeah it was a private school a relatively uh, affluent school affluent one of them the one that's not the one the, the one that's not the, the the thing you do on the toilet uh and uh i i, I went there and i was one of literally a, a handful of uh indigenous native native or kids with a, a background from New Zealand being New Zealand Maori and there was a speech competition uh, that I more or less got pushed into due to no one else being able to enter it from our school so it was kind of like hey you know we think this would be really great if you could do with entered you into it and it was it was more like a a forced thing that in hindsight I'm super grateful for but at the time uh it was very much outside my comfort zone like I've always been a really confident person and I think a lot of people probably resonate with being confident and then being absolutely terrified when you're on stage or when you're speaking in front of groups like you see I, i've got tons of uh, you know friends and family and things like that who have been exactly the same they're you know really really outgoing in social circumstances and then freeze or avoid speaking like it's the the plague and i wasn't too much different and i kind of go back to you know, when i went when i went on stage it was all right what do i know that i can already do and it was all right well, it seems like an English class or you know, whatever class you do your first talk and it's write an essay, put it onto cue cards, tilt your head down and just read, <laughs> and, read. and do the, yeah, tremble, read and occasionally look up to give eye contact because apparently that's, yeah, that's the go for speakers. And uh, so that's, that's what I did. And you know, it's not hard to imagine that the speech didn't go that well. Um, there was a whole whole raft of other things you're meant to sing a uh, do uh, sing a song as a as you you have like a support group it's like culturally kind of a thing that after you speak um you'll do either a haka or a song a waiata um and our school not having too many <laughs> too many people who could do that uh there just happened to be a class that the speech teacher had sent along and they walked up on stage and we had to kind of try and do the one that the all blacks did. And it was, um, it was pretty horrible. I can <laughs> only imagine. Yeah. So the, the, first of all, the pressure of having to deliver speech at 13, that you were kind of volunteered uh, unwittingly at first. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think we can all identify with that idea of, you know, looking down at the cue cards and, then you look up at the audience and occasionally you make a hand motion because you were told that, you know, body language counts. 
Um, but then to have to go on and do a, a song or something after that little performance, that seems like double downing on the torture for somebody who's not familiar with it. Uh, you must have been terrified. Yeah, I was, I was terrified. And I think it, I think that was the, the big thing was it reflected. Like, yeah, the, apart from the speech not being probably presented and delivered the best it possibly could have, the other thing, side of it was um, not having your, you know, looking back as you know, preparation is, is key for everything that we do, you know, in, in business and life. Uh, you know, the more you're prepared, the better. And, and knowing that, I didn't know if there was a song or, or or anything happening at the end of it because they kind of came up on stage afterwards when the the uh, organizer of the event's like, so you know, where's your support group? Wow. Um, yeah. So it was it was kind of a it was almost a comedy of errors, but I mean, you personally, it was I, I, I'm a relatively competitive person, and I really don't like. And I mean, for me that day, losing was just not winning or you know, not knowing that I'd put out a good effort. Yeah. You know, I've never been a a bad sports person. I've never been a you know, an elite level sports person at the same time. But I always tried to be as fit as I possibly could, as prepared as I possibly could. And you know, going into that I knew that there was something left on the table. So uh, my mum enrolled me into some public speaking classes with the speech teacher at our school. Um, and she kind of took me under my wing. She obviously saw something. <laughs> she wow, saw something. that's amazing. De de definitely wasn't from, from that talk. But um, but you know. were also into it, despite kind of a first yeah. experience that was not necessarily positive because of that competitive spirit. Like, yeah. hey, you know, the only way to get better is to kind of double down on my own skills and my own knowledge. Yeah, and that's... And that's that's why I say you know, it was it was entered against my will to a degree, and then you know I look back on it and I'm super grateful because the the journey that it's taken me on. I mean, a year later I came second in the same competition, um, and then yeah you know, we entered it, and by the by the end of it we had uh, yeah a full support group that would go along every year. We had four speakers from our school, and so I mean there was the cool thing of of me boosting my own confidence and skill levels but there was also the being the the pioneer and i i love what russell brunson he he talks about being a pioneer he said you don't usually want to be a pioneer in anything for anybody because you're the one with all the arrows in their back lying face down in the dirt you know but it's um yeah i can definitely attest attest to that but it's uh you know the the journey it kind of took me on is i i went zero to a hundred uh and you know, I was skipping assembly in the morning and going, you know, going to other people's speech classes. I was getting out of, uh, you know, any kind of class I could and going there after school, I was getting my own ones and it, we'd sit exams and do different things with the, the kind of speech qualifications that we're going through. And it ended up that uh, myself and another guy who were very kind of, I guess, kindred spirits in the sense of how much we really enjoyed it once we found out that there were, just like anything, there were ways to be effective and uh, good communicators. We pushed through a lot of the grades, and by the time we got to yeah, a, about a year out from finishing high school, we'd both graduated as uh, qualified public speaking teachers, and we were then teaching our peers, and it had kind of gone like yeah, uh, a pretty a pretty crazy journey from yeah, a trembling a trembling a confident trembling kid on stage at. 13 to you know 17 years old and you're you're now teaching people 
you're now teaching the next generation of 13 year olds so it was it was pretty cool to to have that skill because i see so many people who don't and it's kind of now my my passion and my journey to help people change that that's good because you know a lot of people and as you kind of talked about this um it's almost like a uh, an odd thing because a lot of people with high confidence are terrified of speaking on stage. Mm. There's just some some sort of break that happens between uh, you know I'm really good at this or I know what I'm talking about to ah all these people are going to judge me. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially e-commerce companies that need to to tell their story, are often reluctant to be the face of their company or to to you know whether it's on stage or, or on a video or a webinar or whatever, they're just, they're nervous about it. And it seems like somebody like yourself could really help, you know, get them moving towards the right direction, which is anybody can do it. Mm. And, and that's the, that's the amazing thing when you realize that there is a system. Like I, I say to people, yeah, if you're a, if you're an accountant, but you were in your first year of studies at university and someone said to you, put together a statement of performance position and write a report. Uh, you, yeah, we've got a gun to your head and you need to do it. You're going to be trembling. You're obviously not going to do a good result, but yeah, give you four years of study and then it's probably going to be easy. It'll give you four years of work experience after that. And it's going to be, you know, something that you do 10 times a day. But a lot of people don't realize that there's you know, systems and processes that you can do exactly the same in public speaking they think some people have either got the gift of the gab and yeah we've already talked about it like those people who command a conversation or um yeah or, or are the, the confident person or the cheeky person maybe in class aren't necessarily the the great speakers and yeah i look at some of the people that i that i follow quite intently and yeah, i'm sure some of your listeners do like tim ferris sure. and he yeah he he said he was uh He's an introvert who's you know really really doesn't enjoy public speaking, and he obviously applies his own systems and you know and and things to be able to speak. But a lot of people would deem him as an extrovert if they were to judge him from the speeches he gives, the books he writes, the podcasts he gives. Uh, and I think it's yeah, it's not so much are you a good speaker because you're an extrovert or introvert everyone's going to have their own style. It's more, have you got a repeatable system that you can kind of plug what you want to deliver into and put something out to the world? And you know, it doesn't matter if it's the boardroom, if it's your staff room with your staff, or if it's you know, the, the TED stage in, in Vancouver and you're speaking to you know, potentially millions on, or just even on camera for your, you know, your e-commerce business. There's, there's you know, the kind of 80-20 rule where you can apply a certain a certain uh, framework and then for each talk there might be certain tweaks that you can do to then optimize but if you know that the overall framework you're going to give a good presentation regardless of if you have smaller tweaks so victor one of the things that you kind of alluded to earlier is this concept of having you know a framework and and i think that's probably some of what you deal with with the the public speaking blueprint or what, what you talked about earlier is that true is that how you work it yeah so i mean one and, and this is this is something that I love seeing the transformation of with people and because you know, some of the live, I mean, I, I, I train people kind of through online training programs through, uh, you know, one-to-one stuff at a higher level. But when we run live, live training events, it's 
it's amazing seeing a transformation that can happen. I, I mean, I throw people in giving a, an impromptu talk on a random topic at the start of the day, and then we do it again before lunch. And uh, the confidence, you know, pe- people are just shutting down the street going, yeah, I've, I've got this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to nail this because they've now seen, hey, cool, just like learning to drive a car was really hard. Yeah, public speaking is is uh, is hard, and then I can make it a lot easier, and then fine tune that. And so, what I what I look at from kind of the the eighty twenty of of public speaking is is this blueprint, and it involves learning. Well, I guess first introducing and, and creating a story. I mean, so many talks, particularly when we're at, when we're taught from our English teacher at high school, is and and others it's kind of who what's the majority doing i'll just stick with the majority and do that so it's usually like hey i'm victor and today i'm going to be talking about such and such and my first point's going to be and my second point's going to be and my third point's going to be and yeah it's it, you've got a world that's attention spans and dopamine levels are getting shorter and shorter if you're not capturing their attention in those first few seconds man, you're fighting an uphill battle to try and get it back. Like people will just be doing the obligatory thing. And you know, it, this isn't just your high school speeches. This is conferences that you go to as well, where people are standing on stage and they've got, they've got all these people in front of them. And yeah, I literally say they're wasting these people's time. And I mean, it's, I think it's important to understand why you need a blueprint, uh, not, not just to become a public speaker, but, when you get put in front of somebody on stage, they've usually invited you because you're some sort of an expert or an authority in, in some point, more so than everybody else. And people need to reframe their thinking on why they are an expert or an authority. And to me, it comes back to, can you teach eight out of 10 people in that room or eight out of 10 people walking down the street, something in a particular topic? Sure, like you know, from from high school, I went off and did the university thing. I studied physiotherapy. Uh, I can teach eight out of ten people walking down the road things about their body and rehabilitation and things like that. When I go to a university or a conference, I'm not the expert in the room full of physiotherapists, but I am an expert in a room full of everyday people. And for most people, that's the case, and they get invited onto stage. So you've got a, a, a duty to be able to share your message as effectively as possible. Otherwise, you're wasting these people's time. And when you extrapolate, like, you know, it might be a five-minute, but it also might be a 90-minute presentation that you've got. If you've got 500 people in there, you're wasting hundreds of hours of people's time to give them something that they could have, could have read. You know, if, if, you're, if you're using the cue cards at a lecture, or even worse, well, I think it's even worse these days, is death by PowerPoint, where people just write their speech out, turn 45 degrees, and then they just read it off. And you're like, look, man, I can read faster than you can talk. Send me the, li- send me the link, bring the next speaker on, and I might catch up on it later, because this is just painful watching somebody uh, read off those slides. And so it doesn't take a huge shift in your speaking ability to be better than the majority, which is, which is cool because as soon as you see that confidence starts to brew and we start getting over a lot of the, you know, the fears and, and, and the other things that uh, tend to hold all the stories we tell ourselves that hold us back. And 
So when it comes to speaking, first we have to go, how do we get rid of these cue cards and uh, the, this death by PowerPoint? And it's, it's realizing that we are an expert. And what we're going to talk about, we already know. And once you realize that, hey, I know about point one, I can just speak off the cuff with it. Sure, you're going to practice and it's going to be, it's not going to be memorized because then you risk running and having a blank in your head and you're standing on stage for you know, what could be an eternity um, up there trying to figure out where that sentence was that you left off on. But when you actually know the points, then you can speak off them. And you know, again, you don't need to spend anywhere as much time preparing because you already know your points. You can put that time into rehearsing and so that you've got a, a, a more highly polished uh, talk. And you know, then your cue cards can go out the window. Your slides can just be used as a cue or something, you know, a picture that backs up. You know, the, everyone loves the funny picture or something in there. Um, yeah, it can just be the graph rather than the graph and 58 different points that you put next to it. <laughs> And a lot, yeah. This is where we, this is where a lot of people listening will have a bit of a kickback, and they'll be going, "Oh yeah, but um, you know, what if I forget something?" And the big thing is, you're up there as the expert. People don't know what you're about to talk about, or they might know your overall topic. They don't know if you forgot something. Yeah, that's forgot. the that's the uh, hidden uh, little gem. There is. They don't know if you forgot something. Only you do. And just keep moving, right? Is that the... Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because I've gotten off stage. I'm like, oh my God, I forgot such and such. And yeah, it might have only been a small point that I thought was massive. But then I've come off and people are like, oh, that was you know, so impactful. That was so informative. Or that was that was great. Um, but yeah, coming back to... You know, we've, we've gotten rid of our cue cards, we've thrown them out the door, we've gotten rid of our you know, dense PowerPoints. We need to start our talks with more impact. And the best way to do that is you know, people don't care about a ton of stats and statistics and facts. They care about, they believe stories. You've got to take them on a journey and you're in a, you're in a, you've got to find the position that you can either make yourself better or worse than the audience. Okay? You're already on a pedestal when you're up there. You want to highlight a story about how you were where they are and you took them further or, and yeah, if, if let's say this isn't a company and it's, yeah, people go, well, it's slightly different. Well, you want to maybe take where the company was and where you're going to take them. You want to sell them on a future based proposition or you want to show them how you were at a certain point and you took them to where they are or further um, or yeah, how you've done it with somebody similar. But I mean, jumping onto, onto stage and starting with a story is it engages people. It allows the people who are going to relate to your story to relate because everyone probably isn't going to, there's still going to be people who are swiping on their phones or whatever. And, and you can't get discouraged by that. What you've got to realize is having a story lets you control the narrative. People want to, yeah, that's why I say don't start with what I'm going to talk about and then I'm going to talk about this and this. If you can have a really like uh, a, a really weird title to your talk, you know, the kind of clickbaity titles, it doesn't get people the, it's not like, you know, the ideal role in management of rehabilitating a shoulder. Like people kind of, 
their their brain is already answering that question. They go, I already know how to do that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whereas these three tips that you know, revolutionized how I, these three strategies on how I revolutionized treating a shoulder, people were like, oh, yeah, revolutionized. Yeah. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, wow. Yeah, like, wow, I really need to listen to that. And so, yeah, if you can start a, start the talk, say, if, like, let's go with that, the shoulder case. If I started off like, look, I had a client walk in the door and they hadn't been able to put in a shirt that didn't have buttons on for the last 10 years because they couldn't move their shoulder enough. Like, you know, and you take, you kind of expand that story out and you know, you might talk about, and that they'd seen chiropractors, physiotherapists, osteopaths, they'd seen orthopedic surgeons who said it was the worst shoulder that they'd ever seen. And now they're sitting at my doorstep. Like anyhow, you know, if you're say speaking to, I'm, I'm giving physio examples here, but um, if you've got these physios in front of you, and they go, and, and they're sitting in front of me expecting me to provide a bloody miracle. Like, yeah, know, they're on and, the edge of their seat. They're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is they're all probably been in a situation where they've had that person who has seen 10 different people and is rocked up on their seat. And they're going, yeah, I hate that. Because, you know, as much as your ego wants to say, I can do it, I've already seen 10 other people. And by then you're controlling the narrative, but you're not giving them any answers yet. You, you're going here's the story on how I'm going to tell it. You know, you don't have to give the person's background of they, you know, they did this and they did this. Uh, it's just, you decide what you're going to, you're going to tell. And from there, then you can just roll into what you're pointed. Yeah. And so they got to me and yeah, your, let's say your, your points might be a unique way of assessing it to find out what's truly wrong. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so you can, you can flow straight into that. So yeah, this person sitting on my doorstep and I was like, look, I need to really find out what's been going wrong. And we'd been experimenting with this different stuff at our clinic and we had found A, B and C. So we really had to dive in. Then you can, of course, you already know that you've applied it to a case that you're talking about. You've actually lived it. And so you can be talking to, talking to them about this, you know, great way that you assess people's shoulders and then, from there, the way that we extrapolate that data out or what we find there to, to create this, you know, this different rehabilitation program is such and such. And then you're just talking about the rehabilitation pro process and how you're doing it differently. And people are still relating it back to the story. Like it's all anchored to the story. They're not going, oh, they're just telling me I need to assess it differently and I need to treat it differently because you're going. And then John, he came in, you know, it was two weeks later and he was in tears um, you know, he, he'd, he'd lifted his hand and been able to wash his hair for the first time in, in 20 years. And it was you know, super exciting. And then whatever your third point is, um, you want to, you then want your third, yeah, generally two to three points is more than enough, regardless of your, your length of your talk, like you can shorten and, and extend it as much as you like, like your story, your intro story could be shorter. It can be longer. Each point can go into a little bit more depth. Um, but two or three points that help hammer at home, then want to lead into not a conclusion, like not, this is what we've spoken about today, or here's a cheeky summary, but a really strong. And, you know, for the marketers out there, they love it. It's a call to action. It's what do you want people to do? Do you, are you trying to get them to buy a product, buy a training? Are you trying to get them to use your services? Are you just trying to get a message across for them to take action, to look at doing things differently or, you know, uh, 
share something with their loved ones or whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, you watch TED Talks and they've got a lot of you know, value-based uh, call to actions at the end of it. It's not a, um, you know, you have to buy, but you're trying to get them, you're trying to take them on a journey that they buy into a value at the end that they're gonna they're gonna take action on because they give them that clear point of point of action at the end of your talk. Don't let it be yeah. Oh well yeah. So now you know a new way to treat people and assess people and get them to follow up on everything. So I hope you've all learned something really well. Like more it's like so now you've seen the amazing changes that can happen to John. My question is, how are you going to change your approach to complex patients? And it gets them thinking, or yeah, I challenge you to now go out and assess in a way that's going to give you clear answers and change the way and the impact that you have on people. All of those are a lot more, okay, this is what I need to do. And the next time a person gets a shoulder walk in, and a physio gets a shoulder walk into their door, they're going, ooh, that message hit me hard. I need to change up and stop being complacent on what I'd previously been doing. So um, yeah, kind of, kind of with the overall, overall message that it's generally let your create a story, let your points flow from that story and then anchor back to one change, one call to action that you, that you want. That's the kind of the, the blueprint simplified from, from there. I love it. So there's a lot to unpack in there. One of the things that I want to really uh, emphasize for the customers out there listening uh, is the point that Victor made uh, along the way, which is, you know, speaking uh, genuinely and authentically comes much more from telling the story. It comes much more from, uh, you know, not memorizing, you know, knowing your main points, but, you know, just talk and let it flow and, and, and be a person like you're having a conversation instead of that rigid, you know, the, the death by PowerPoint, it is, it's, oh, it's so painful to watch somebody you know, on stage or in front of a, a group, and then they're just literally reading off the PowerPoint. It is, yeah. It's a waste of everybody's time. And one of the things I don't want people to forget is that when you are delivering some sort of content from stage or on a you know, webinar, whatever it is, you have some sort of duty to the audience to pay off for their time, right? So your call to action at the end, doesn't matter if it's a course or some value-driven uh, thing, like, hey, change this in your life, do this, you know, to, to make a better, you know, whatever, uh, existence or better training course or better shoulder uh some call to action makes sense for the audience that's the payoff for them and i hope that people will heed that in any context that really that is where the audience you know they they get excited about it they get hooked through the story and the speech itself but the call to action is where the payoff is do you, do you agree with that premise uh, Victor? yeah 100 percent. i mean one of one of my favorite talks that i've that i uh, followed when I was at high school and I was going through all the speaking stuff and uh even now I, I still go back and watch it as Martin Luther King's I have a dream. Like he had one call to action. He had one over I, I didn't really touch on it, but your your talk should have one overarching theme and then two or three points that relate to that theme. Okay. So you know, you walk away from his and it's you know he has a dream for yeah, equality between men, women, and child, children. That was his overall theme. Like if if you walk away from his talk and you watch it, that's what, if you didn't remember every single point, because people aren't going to remember every single point. We've all been to talks and we're like, they were great. What did they talk about? Oh, you know, he was trying to 
make the world more equal. But as long as you realize that there was an, if you take on that message, that there were obviously things that were important enough for you to take on. And, um, you know, so I, I, I encourage people to go on YouTube, YouTube has talk because it uses storytelling and oratory and, and the interesting thing with that talk, which I heard more recently was he had given it just like a stand up comedian. He'd given it like 50 to a hundred times in the previous years at different local black churches and um, congregations and things. And he'd fine tuned all that storytelling and seen what the audience was working on. It wasn't perfect the first time, but he got more fine tuned and more fine tuned until he had that massive address. That's obviously gone on to, you know, have a fairly huge impact to, you know, to the whole of the U S but he's you know, fairly well known through, you know, particularly one talk and obviously his actions that followed. So yeah, it's, it's interesting when you start looking at Ted talks or Simon Sinek talks or anything like that. And you have a look at them following a particular blueprint, like, yeah, some of them are doing it unknowingly. Some of them are definitely doing it deliberately because they've, they've had training and they've, they've implemented that and it allows everyone's got a story that they can tell. Uh, if you can impact as more mo, most as many people as possible from your story uh, and from your journey and from your learnings, then you know the better you can present that, the better you'll get it across. No question about that. Um, all right, awesomers, we've uh, dug a little bit into Victor's background. We we know where he came from and we know a little bit about his university experience. We're going to do more of that uh, origin dig in uh, right after the break, and I'm also going to tell you a quick story about a nightmare conference that I attended where the speeches were. Oh, let's just say they didn't go well. Uh, we're going to do that right after this break. Empowering. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back, everybody. It's me, Steve Simonson, and today I'm joined by Victor Ahipene. Nailed it. Huh? Pretty good? All right, all right. I'm getting pretty good at this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, Victor, just before the break, I teased this um, uh, conference that I went to not long ago. It was within seven days of this recording. And and the, the speeches that were given were largely uh, not following any bl blueprint. Uh, many <laughs> of them were just following their PowerPoint. It was painful. When they would get to the last slide, they would be like, okay, that's it. And they would literally walk off the stage and the MC would be like caught by surprise and it would take her 60 seconds to hop out and go, all right, well, wasn't that great? I mean, it was just <laughs> very, very uh, poor experience. And there were 2,500 people in the audience. <sighs> so every half an hour, we're just racking up wasted time, wasted time. Now, some of the messages, if you really, if you really worked hard, you could suss out some takeaway or whatever, but it was tough. And it didn't mean these people weren't good. It certainly didn't mean they weren't smart or brilliant in their own right. It just was the execution and, and, and you know, their preparation perhaps was not quite up to the, the standard that I think you would have. So that was a, a, a weird uh, experience for me to have so many of those in a row on such a big venue uh, be let down. So I think your, your blueprint that we're going to talk more about is, is a really important thing. Uh, have you ever been to a conference like that where, you know, yeah, yeah it's pretty uh, un unfortunately it's such a, it's a common thing like, yeah, 
you get academic like if you're at a place where it's full of academics they're used to taking lectures and you know if you've been to any kind of tertiary place ever uh, you remember the one lecturer who made things interesting and exciting and the rest you just you either don't remember their names or you know they they don't teach it in an effective manner uh, and then they take that to the stage they go okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pile you full of information i am just gonna throw graph after graph and statistic and fact and we don't care like statistics and 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 you know research and things like that is important to drum home different things in really small doses like use a story to be like yeah and that's what that you know we'll go back to the shoulder and, and yeah his shoulder got above our head and that's exactly what we found through our research where we looked at 300 different people was this was a similar rather than we looked at 300 different blah 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 and what we found was this and people were like and yeah it's unfortunate and but the, the cool thing for everyone listening is now when they're out there speaking at a conference when they're speaking you know even just to their workplace and things like that they're now going to be so far ahead of the, the crowd that everyone's going to go, you are easily the the best speaker. And if, if, if we can for a minute, I, one of my students, his name's Josh, he's a, he does uh, marketing for dental owners. Okay. So he does like uh, Google AdWords and pay-per-click and that sort of stuff in Australia. And he got invited uh, to, and this is kind of, this is, this is, this is a really cool uh, thing. He's very much introverted. Uh, he loves, um, he, he's really good at the analytical side of things, but he got invited to this dental owners, business owners uh, conference. And it was like 500 people. It was a paid conference and he wasn't allowed a pitch from stage. That was one of the things. So he's in the speaking world, you're either going to be paid or you're going to be paid, uh, not paid, but you can pitch from stage. And then the, the event organizer is going to take a cut of that but it's, it's usually one or the other it's not usually both anyway so he was, he was being paid wasn't allowed a pitch and he came to me he said look how can we construct a, a yeah a good talk he said this is the kind of stuff that i want to talk about and it was like facebook ads google ads and seo and like for those out there who know that they're like complex things complex. in themselves and i said you know what's what's the overall overall thing with it i was like well why don't we you know why don't we shape it that it's here's how you can do them in a simple way but your busy business owners you don't want to do that like the underlying tone was like use us without us having to pitch you and and fortunately for josh he the the event organizer who invited him he ran all of his um things for his different clinics around australia and so I said, have you got any awesome testimonials from him? Because he's the guy who's going to be introducing you on stage. He's going to give you social proof. So we started the talk with an email screenshot of from the event organizer. You know, he'd asked them before it, obviously. And it just said like, hey, Josh, um, you know, we've just taken over this new clinic. Do you, uh, you, know, do you think this new clinic's, how, how well can we go with the marketing in the local area? And it, then it followed the next thing. It's like, yep, yeah, if we... You know, focus mainly on this and then we start rolling out this and this and then it was like a follow-up email like a month later hey can you please turn off such and such because uh, you know we've gone from 50 percent capacity to 120 percent capacity we need to hire more staff first blah 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 and he's like 
you know, it was basically like, who wants to see how I did this? Yeah, so what a just, Cadillac problem that is. Yeah, it's exactly. A, uh, yeah, we need to turn off the advertising. We have too much business. It's like anybody yeah. in the audience want too much business? Uh, are you going to yeah. pay attention? Yeah, what yeah. a good book. And so then, yeah, and so then he's like, okay, well, this is what we did. We did SEO and here's some really simple tips that you can go and do it yourself. Um, you know, uh, but if you start getting serious, you might want to look into <laughs> this software and this software and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and it takes a little while or you can go and learn AdWords or Google. And, and we kind of just overviewed on like setting up an ad on Facebook for him. You know, it showed the deal that he was offering, but he said, yeah, a lot of it comes down to the targeting and the retargeting and setting up your, you know, you've got to set up. And it was just like a step-by-step, -step, you know, create your ad copy, create your picture or video, uh, you know, create your targeting, uh, set up what your retargeting is going to be. And like, if you know how to do it, that's pretty good. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah, for majority of people, they're like, uh, what's yeah. retargeting? Holy what's crap, yeah. But it showed them the step-by-step -step on what they needed. We gave them like the general overview because he had like an hour on stage and um, and his, and then kind of his call to, he'd set it up at the start as well, but his call to action was what you should be looking for if you're going to run marketing for your business. And so he basically had said, you know, you can get somebody, you can do it yourself, um, but we've worked out what the average dental person, uh, den dentist makes per hour. Um, and we said, you know, so you're making 500 bucks an hour, um, you know, or your average. Um, and he basically put uh, his prices in there without, without yeah, your average social media manager is going to charge you $2,000 a month. And they'll generally, they should be able to run all of these, but here's some key questions that you want to ask. Um, and so his end of, end of thing was, you know, his, his call to action was as, as business owners and dental owners, um, yeah, you want to be using your time as effectively as possible. If that's treating people or growing your business, then cool. If it's marketing, then now you know exactly the next steps that you need to do. And yeah, he closed mid six figures from that talk and he couldn't even take everybody because of you know, uh, restraint of trade. He wouldn't take two people per postcode and things like that. So um, yeah, that was reoccurring revenue. It wasn't all from the, from the thing, but for somebody, he had people rushing to him at the end because he'd showed them value. He hadn't overtaught. Initially, he was going to be like, and this is how you set up a pixel, and this is how you do retargeting, and this is how you, you know, um, you know, test different copy and all that kind of stuff. He like we we got rid of all of that. We didn't try and overwhelm people because you don't want to make you want to show people the the why, not the how. And a lot of like particularly if you're trying to sell from stage. But as soon as people start getting into the how, how is for training courses, how is for two day weekend conferences. The why is for you know sixty to ninety, thirty minute, whatever short shorter presentations, and so you know being able to take people on that journey of um, at the start of going, you know, here's somebody that you've all paid a thousand dollars to come and listen to his conference. Um, here's the results that I already got him. <laughs> anyway, it was a it was a perfect thing. But going back to Josh being an introvert, he'd never spoken from stage before. Yeah, he was always sick on school speech days and, and whatnot. Yeah, he was very reluctant. He'd never spoken before. He got voted best speaker. Three of the other speakers at the event were professional speakers and asked them, you know, what other events has he been speaking at? He said, this is the first one I've ever done. 
and off the back of it, he's got another three gigs where he's going to pretty much roll out that same talk um, to slightly different industries as their business expands. And he's going to likely, and this is the power of being able to get a message across and get in front of your ideal audience is he'll probably close a million dollars worth of business from three or four talks um, you know, for future current and future business sure. just from being able to spend the time crafting a good message that's going to impact versus he could have gone in there, overtaught, had really dense slides, um, bored the people and maybe picked up one or two people who you know, were just looking for the right solution at the right time. So I think it's important, it, it kind of highlights for somebody who's not me get out there giving a speech uh, for everybody else who's like, I'm just not a speaker. Uh, yeah. They like Josh. It really is a great example. You know, Josh embodies kind of the, the introvert in us all that says, you know, I don't know if I could do it or how or why. And, uh, but fundamentally, if you go on stage and you deliver uh, value in a compelling way, that's like, you know, here's, here's the story that, you know, uh, this, in this case, it was a conference uh, organizer you know, they needed business, they were opening here, and uh, mission accomplished, here's what we did, who's interested, uh, yeah. it almost just lets, it's an organic way, because people, mm. most people do the math in their head, even as entrepreneurs who, you know, we have a tendency to try to do a lot of things ourselves, we don't have the time to do it all, you know, I was mm. just talking to some brilliant bot guys the other day, it's like, I have no interest in setting up my own bot flows, yeah. I, I want to hire somebody to do my bot flows. And, and that goes, you know, for me, just on about every task possible, I want to bring in the experts. So I, I like this idea of the, the blueprint or the system for uh, speech making. And I'm a big systems guy. Now, for the Osmers list, and we will have uh, in the show notes appropriate uh, links and so forth to, to the things that Victor uh, does. And I, I also recall that you have a podcast going, Victor, and pretty well uh, rated and, and highly uh, influencing, yes? Yeah, so that's it, kind of uh, when I said I've gone full circle from the the public speaking. Um, it kind of got put on the back burner a bit uh, back at uh, after high school. Yeah, I, I was I was literally sitting there going, you know, do I want to become a speech teacher? It's kind of it, yeah, it seems like a really difficult niche to to kind of create a career out of like you were always chasing the next bunch of kids, and yeah, I was in the small town. I, I just didn't have a big picture outlook um so i went and became a physiotherapist and worked in that and you know have, have done different things there and own a couple of clinics and uh but from from there i was i got before i kind of got the clinics and i, I obviously loved the business side of of most things um i was working for someone like a lot of people you're in that nine to five you start looking for something else and i stumbled across podcasts and was like wow never heard of this this guy like I'd kind of been in the world and I was like he's got like a huge huge following he's making a really cool impact and I was like oh well, I've done public speaking I you know maybe one will go hand in hand and and yeah to a degree it does another degree yeah it's, it's just another skill you learn and the systems that you learn um for for a cool podcast and at the time I was doing some property like trying to learn property investing and had a young property investors group that we ran in brisbane and i was like well i want to learn more about uh young entrepreneurs like you know i was uh, somewhere in my 20s at the stage i'm just going to interview under successful under 35 year old entrepreneurs and uh, i'm like 
okay so I, I started I, I got some friends to get going and yeah the the podcast kicked off pretty well it was pretty well received and and I think we had about 185 episodes that that happened uh that that started up and I was it created different opportunities people came to me and they wanted help setting up their podcast some of my guests yeah they were successful and again they were like I don't want to learn all of this and right. can 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 you do it and then one of them said you should turn it into a course and then it kind of took me down this the rabbit hole of online marketing and uh, all these different things but then I, I kind of found that like I loved podcasting I didn't overly love podcasts like training people to set up podcasts so I could set up a course and things like that I, I closed it all down one day and I was like uh, I'd, I'd run a couple of live training events for public speaking and yeah, yeah, literally the first time I think I had six people in it and at the end of it, I had no further upsell, no further working with me and four out of the six people literally came to me and were like, after the, directly after the event, like, so what do we sign up to now? <laughs> and I'm like, um, let me get back to you on that one. Uh, so yeah, things kind of evolved from there and I was, I was splitting my time too much between something I wasn't passionate about, um, helping people get podcasts. So I, I, now I teach it within my training. If podcasting is a way that you want to share your message, which is awesome. Uh, and it was just the transformation for me. And this was ego driven, I guess. The transformation wasn't as rewarding as seeing someone who's trembling and almost in tears when they all sometimes are in tears when they're giving their first talk to you know, confidently controlling the stage, you know, hours later. So uh, <clears throat> I shut down that podcast recently. I put all my efforts into the public speaking blueprint and I, you know, I released a public speaking secrets uh, podcast, which is it's about probably when this will go live, it'll be about 10 episodes in and we've had some, uh, thankfully I've been able to leverage off my previous podcast because sure. it, it, it's often difficult yeah I'm like oh yeah I interviewed Grant Cardone and I interviewed so and so and so and so and people are like I'm like this isn't my first rodeo and um, so we've had some we've had some really really cool uh, speaker trainers and different you know, how to use humor how to you know, uh, run events how to you know, go from zero dollar events to high ticket items how to you know, effective storytelling so I don't try and necessarily I try and just capture people from all around the world who have got you know subsets of expertise and it sharpens my teaching tools and it helps a lot of people people out there so it's been a it's, it's been really cool and um yeah now there's going to be a, a book that'll come out off the back of that probably in the coming coming weeks so look out for public speaking secrets coming out oh i love it so you don't let any anything grow under your feet man you are always on the move i like that so uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about the future a little bit. So get your crystal ball. Uh, I know that you're ready for this, but we're going to talk a little bit about that future. And we're going to do it right after this. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals. This is Parsimony ERP. And we get one question over and over. Can you please tell me exactly what Parsimony does? Well, we'll try, but this is only a 30-second spot, so we're going to have to hurry. Connect to your Seller Central account and pull all the new orders. Enter the orders with all customer data. Enter all of the Amazon fees and charges. Store them at the item level. Generate profit and loss reports at the SKU level. Automatically generate income statements. Handle multiple companies. Handle multiple brands. Handle multiple currencies. Facilitate budgets and forecasts. Store all customer interactions in a sophisticated CRM system. Manage your supply chain. Budget and task management. Maintain an audit log. Hey, you get it. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com, parsimony.com. We've got that. 
You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, everybody, uh, Steve Simonson back again with Victor Ahipene, which is now just really easy for me to say. Just rolling off the tongue. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> natural. Um, and, and Victor and I have been talking about, you know, kind of how to uh, get better at telling stories and, and become, embrace the authority that you already are on your particular subject matter. And it doesn't matter if you're going to take the stage or do a webinar to help your your audience or just do videos to explain to your customers what your product is about. It's about having the confidence to get behind the camera or in front of the camera, however, whatever the situation is, get on stage and share your message because we all have something to share. And I, I, I love this idea of anchoring it to, you know, a story and that overarching point. That's a really important point that Victor made. Um, Victor, uh, before we dive into kind of the future, I wonder if there was a, a particular time that you ever looked at, at, you know, kind of running your own business and being your own entrepreneur, speech making, et cetera. And you're like, you know what, this is too much for me. I want to give up. I'm just going to go back to, you know, physical therapy or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, is you, have you ever wanted to give up? Do you mean today or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest one, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive and sometimes overly optimistic with, with things. Um, but I, when I was setting up my podcast training and uh, I'd had some coaching and uh, yeah, it hadn't gone that well. And uh, yeah, basically the premise was get this, get a webinar out there and, you know, drive traffic to it and blah, blah, blah. And I'd, I'd left my job and I'd uh, kind of gone all into it. And this was my last gasp at it. Uh, yeah. It was literally, there's going to be no money in the account and, I'd hired somebody to run my ads and done this. And I, I see where all the limitations were now. And uh, I ran it, three people turned up, uh, two of them I knew like really well and they weren't good. So it was literally like one person that I was hoping would buy this this training that I'd put out and nobody did. And I was just sitting there on the couch. My partner came home from work and she's like, oh yeah, how's it? And I was just like in this, in this short state of you know, depression, what am I going to do? I've thrown everything at this. And I, I definitely hadn't thrown everything at it. I think it was just that, that kick when you're yeah, in a point of desperation, which is never a good place to be at. It's a, it's a good place to drive and motivate you. But yeah, it's funny when you're trying to negotiate when you're in it, and this is probably what I've learned from it. Uh, when you're at a point of desperation and you're trying to negotiate, you'll negotiate yourself down. <laughs> right, right. Whereas, yeah, when you're not, it's the complete flip side. A friend of mine selling a medical clinic at the moment, and he had all these different offers and initially he had a price set. And then he realized that, hey, I was probably underselling myself. And then they were trying to offer him X amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars plus this and this and this and this and he's now he's at a point with he's like oh, i might not even sell because it's financially it's all right i could keep it going and so he's just come back to me he said no you just either give me all of that or i don't sell and now they're like yeah okay yeah when that in the business we call that the takeaway close everybody so <laughs> yeah. there's nothing better so uh, first of all thank you for sharing that that uh time where you know we all have those times of you know uh rejection or desperation or you know just like uh it didn't work mm. but i think one of the points that you you uh talked about in there is this idea that you know at that moment we feel like we put it all in there we laid it all out and so that means there's nothing else we can do. And so, uh, right. And we're just going to hit the wall and we're going to fall over. 
But the reality is there's always something else that could be done, right? We, we might need to take a, you know, a little bit of a, a 24 hour break or, you know, some sort of mm. uh, reflection time, but there's always more that can be done. And, you know, whether or not that particular program was part of your future or not, you realized even, well, at least not long after that time okay. that there was more that you could do. Yes. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is if you can take your ego out of it when you're analyzing it, it's not a failure on you per se at that stage. It's like, okay, what could have been done better? What were other people who are, say, running webinars or doing courses or whatever, what are they doing that I didn't do that might have, you know, for me, it was, um, my indoctrination series, like I didn't have emails warming them up properly. I didn't have emails following them up. I didn't have ads retargeting them after the fact uh, for those who didn't come. And like, once I realized, I was like, man, I'm surprised I got three people there, let alone, let alone anything, anything uh, more. So it's, it's really going, you know, and it's hard. It's hard to be like, okay, this failure isn't, on me it's on what i can learn from it and then keep moving so yeah I, yep uh yeah it's part of the roller coaster unfortunately but it's uh yeah it, it's about bouncing back because a lot of people don't they just you know, throw it in and say yeah enough's enough yeah i think it's a, a valuable lesson and you know for everybody listening at home uh or wherever you are you 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 can't feel the high highs if you don't feel the low lows. You know, at the end of the day, anybody who says, "Yeah, everything's always good," it's like, yeah, a it's not, and b even if it was, you wouldn't really be able to feel. That would just be like a, a normal feeling. It would feel quite mediocre. So, uh, we've all been there. We've all dealt with that kind of stuff. Uh, but Victor, with with the kind of the the change of the you know technology, uh, not that that changes speech giving that much. You know, on a in person stage, but. Do you see any any big uh, changes or opportunities for entrepreneurs and and just people in general who need to improve their communications coming in the next five years? So think of five years out, maybe what might be different. Well, it's a funny thing. Like it's it's probably why I've doubled down on public speaking. It's because I see a threat to the majority of us from the advancements of technology not not a bad threat but a lot more things are going to be automated like i look at a lot of ai tech and things like that um that is going to automate processes and a lot of jobs will be retrenched lost changed because of you know software that can do a lot of your marketing straight away it can do a lot of your you know your call-ups and your follow-ups and you're like, there's, there's going to be more and more automation and AI tech that's going to come in. I think one of the things that's going to be the hardest is person-to-person communication, whether that be video conferences, boardrooms, pitching, um, whatever it may be. And that's why I think it's not necessarily technology that's going to improve the, the gap between public speaking. What it is is public speaking is going to make you, uh, being effective public speaker is going to give you an uh, uh, an asset that's going to be, you know, it's going to make you un, you know, whether it's a job or your business, it, it's going to give you an unfair advantage on the majority of other people who are trying to compete with a robot. Like you're not going to win with a robot and, and uh, automated mundane manual repeatable learning tasks. Whereas no, at the moment, nobody really wants to sit there and listen to a robot give a presentation they don't feel empathy or connection with a robot. Um, so that's where I think 
te- technology is going to public speaking is going to benefit technology and vice versa. I think that's very uh, good insight. And, you know, I don't remember if it was Bill Gates or Warren Buffett uh, or Elon Musk, somebody like that, but they more or less, they, they said, Hey, um, in the future as AI and machine learning and, and actual robotics are continuing to kind of um, change the way the business is done, do stuff that robots can't do. And mm. clearly, you know, making human to human connections, having, you know, uh, a communication style and a speech uh, ability, all of these things are, things that a robot will never be able to do. And if they, if they can, you know, God help us, but, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future, humans really do care about what other humans have to say. And they want to see somebody on stage or, or on a webinar or in whatever mechanism it is, they want to see somebody who has something interesting to say. And, and, you know, I think it was very kind of Victor to kind of lay out the broad strokes of this framework, this blueprint concept to, to say, Let's, you know, bind it to a story. Let's have a, you know, that overarching uh, message that we want to get across. And, and I'm sure there's so much more in that, that blueprint. Now, Victor, we're going to make sure we get all the, the links on the, the site for everybody. But are a- people able to go get your blueprint? Is that something they can buy day to day or do they have to wait for uh, some release date or how does that work? So if they if they jump over to publicspeakingblueprint.com, it's got some some more. It kind of goes a bit more in depth than some of the training. So we've got yeah, uh, uh, we've got a webinar and there's uh, some some worksheets and things that they can work through to kind of be able to craft their message. And of course, they can listen to the podcast and and jump into there. So uh, there's at the end of the webinar, it's it goes for about ninety minutes. I think it is. It's got an opportunity to to jump into the public speaking blueprint uh, to the to the training, but just like if you if you've this is probably ten maybe fifteen percent of what we've covered, we we dive even deeper into it then. So you're going to get value value regardless. So yeah, if you if you jump in and watch it, I, I guarantee it's going to give you some more actionable takeaways. Uh, so yeah, I, I encourage you to jump over to publicspeakingblueprint.com or, or Speaker Nations, our private Facebook community where you can uh, jump in and there's other like-minded people uh, yeah, all on the same journey to, to make their speeches more exciting to give and more exciting to receive. I love it. Well, and from my standpoint, even if you're not planning on getting on stage and speaking, I, I want people to give, you know, jump over to that website, take a look, because the communication, even in somebody's office, you know, there's so many times inner office communications break down because of misunderstandings or just the driest exchanges possible. You know, I've, I've stood with people and, and, you know, had them talk to me in like a presentation mode, you know, I'm the CEO and they're coming in to do presentations. And, you know, at the end of the 30 or 60 minutes, whatever the case is, I'm like, what's the point? I, I don't see what we're, we're doing here, right? And, and that's not a great takeaway. So anybody can benefit from this. And I, I, I'm encouraged by the fact that there's such a great resource out there. So, uh, Victor, it's been great having you on. I want to thank you again um, for coming out here today, especially you probably got up pretty early in Australia, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, the sun's already up. But yeah, about, I think it was about 6, 6 a.m. we kicked off. But it's okay, beautiful. Good. It's Friday that, here. so that, That's great. Well, we sure appreciate it. Any final words of wisdom you care to leave with the awesomers out there? Yeah. I, I, I just want to say that your, your past... I, your past experiences don't dictate your future, whether that's in public speaking or anything else. It's kind of a mantra I try and try and take with me uh, because 
a lot of us will say, oh, I've given a poor speech or I don't have, we tell ourselves these stories, I've given a poor speech in the past or it wasn't well received. That doesn't mean that you can't get up there and be the next Josh who comes out of nowhere, have, hasn't spoken before and wows crowds. And he had, I can guarantee you, like amazing guy, but he had no superpower. He didn't have a cape underneath. He wasn't you know, the gift of the gab guy out there. And, and everybody has the ability to, to do that. So wherever you are, you know, realize that there's, there's a way forward and uh, that what you've done in the past doesn't necessarily mean uh, you, that's what you're going to do in the, in the future. You've just got to change. You know, it can be one thing. Uh, very, very wise wisdom right there. Uh, thank you again, Victor. Uh, Osmers, listen out there. We will be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. Well, that was very helpful for Victor to share just kind of a glimpse into that that concept of the the blueprint and the, and sharing some of the framework with us. And of course, it's even better that he was able to share, you know, the the websites where we can go and check out the public speaking blueprint. And we'll have again those links and so forth in the show notes uh, at awesomers.com/slash sixty-seven because this is episode number sixty-seven. But I want to just reiterate that you know Victor you know, is really smart about making even speeches a systemic process. And he gave such a, a, a nice, you know, overview of that process where you, you anchor it to a story and you have an overarching theme and then you have a couple points that support the theme and probably sub-stories, but it all is tied together with a single thread. That's really smart. It, you know, it's a very professional concept of storytelling. And it's also a really important for sales. So if you, if you are doing speeches and you're trying to learn how to pitch from stage, believe me, you will get far better results if you're making pitches with stories versus, you know, here's the six points on why you should buy something from me. So really important episode. And I hope that people dig into this and find some great takeaways to help you in your business, whether it's regarding making speeches, making webinars, or just making videos for your own customers. Communication and storytelling is extraordinarily important. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at Awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com.